clubhouse. I'm Beth Kushnack. And I'm Caroline Daly. Welcome to Decorating the Set, from Hollywood to your home. For over 30 years, I've created settings for countless award-winning television series and feature films. As a set decorator, I'm a storyteller. My job is to compose visuals that both capture and enhance any story. Now, I want to help you capture and enhance your story. I'm on social media every day, and Beth's Instagram is a must-look for me. Over and over, I see fans asking her, how can I get the look in my own home inspired by something I've seen on screen? There's nothing I enjoy more than helping people create a space that allows them to best express themselves. Subscribing to Decorating the Set means you'll never have to tackle these projects alone. I'll be the decorator by your side. Hey Beth, today we're talking about Living Rooms Part 2. We've already dealt with our layout and our major furniture and our accent furniture, but our listeners are ready. They're ready to pick your brain, Beth, for a lot more. They're ready to layer on. I'm here for that. We had so much to talk about in regards to the main space and everybody's world these days. So part two, here we go. So let's just jump right in. So remembering from our previous one, we have our layout, our our couch is set, we have our accent furniture, and I'm thinking about my walls. I'm thinking about, you know, are they too boring? Do I need to add more? What do I need? Talk to me about color, Beth. Well, you know, as we've talked about before, I do think that a can of paint is, uh, the most cost-effective and easy way to live out your fantasy color-wise. Oh, geez. So, <laughs> But what if I, my fantasy is not like your fantasy or like, you know, other like, children fantasy things, right? Like, how do I do this? Like, should it look all... I, I don't even know. How do, how do I reach like a place where like everyone's cool with the color? Obviously, everybody has a, an opinion uh, usually about color. I think the best thing to do is uh, try large swatches and try them on different walls because they get different kinds of light depending on where your windows are. And in these times, since the living rooms become a real multi-purpose room, the best thing is to freshen it up with paint, easy and cost-effective. I've been seeing all these blue colors out this season. I'm pretty sure that that the a shade of blue is the Pantone color of the year yes. this year. Yeah, and that's really because uh, it's it's an easy color to live with, and we're spending so much time inside that I do recommend colors that are more based in nature, even a color that's very similar to what you're seeing outside your window can always push that room to look larger, you know, if you're surrounded by the same color inside and out. That's such a good tip because it's something that I know people play a lot with windows and trying to do certain things, but you're right, the actual wall color itself can bring in the outside. Yes. So if I don't want to paint, what are my other options? Well, we can always go back to our temporary wallpaper solutions, even picking a feature wall. Now, you would do a feature wall in a, in a living room. Talk to me about that. Where do I put that? Is it behind the TV? Is it on a big blank wall? Where, where am I doing this? No rules or regulations, but sometimes it is nice to choose a color on the feature wall or behind the TV. Recently, I took an entire 
fireplace wall that featured a very large TV and had bookcases on either side. Uh, the whole room was white. It was a house that had a really open concept. So everywhere you saw was white. There was a lot of details in the architecture and the ceiling. But since the TV was black and so large and the fireplace below it was black and equally as large, I put some really beautiful black grass cloth wallpaper uh, at the back of the bookcases. But you so, drooling. I love that. <laughs> so that really unified the whole wall. And it was very easy to do. And, you know, in a situation like that, where you're just using a, a small area of wallpaper, you can even up the ante a little bit with your wallpaper per roll price. Because, mm. you know, it's not like you're doing a whole room. And that's not like distracting from watching what's going on on the television or anything like that. But it's like No, as a matter of fact, it unified the whole space and gave the TV almost even more of a big screen background. Mm, cool. It's kind of like you like framed it like it was art. Yes. Yeah. Nice. I know you are big into art, Beth, and I know that you are quite an expert in like what looks great on walls. So talk to me a little bit, just a wee bit, because we're going to have an entire episode on how to hang art on your wall and what types of art. But generally, in this sort of multi-use space, what type of art am I sort of looking for, just generally? Well, generally, you know, I'm always up for seeing a collage wall of botanical prints or even a collage wall of family photos. I just really try to encourage people to have some similar frames, whether you choose, a, a, you know, a color, like all my frames are going to be the same tone of wood, or they're going to be black, or they're going to be white, you know, or even better, sometimes I, I really do like the symmetry of all the frames being the same. And those can easily be ordered online and work well with family photos. On certain occasions, I would choose to pick a feature piece of art and then do the family photos around them. Because when you do that, your eye is drawn more to the single large piece, but then you really end up seeing the smaller photos. I'm glad to hear you say that. I want to talk about it so much more in our art episode, but I have so many questions about like, you know, if is things like having a family wall of like 10,000 pictures, is that like still okay? I have so many questions. So I'm really excited you guys stick around for that art episode because Beth is going to guide us hardcore on that. You're going to be my Sherpa. Yes, we're, we're going to do it soon. <laughs> You're going to be my Sherpa on that, Beth. God have you. Okay, so let's move into window treatments because that is something that I feel like a lot of people go all over the place with. Sometimes way too heavy, sometimes not nearly enough. So talk to me about like what are our first steps when we're thinking about window treatments in our living room? Right now, our first steps are to consider exactly what that space is being used for. And since it's being used most likely for a multitude of situations, uh, letting light in is a big one. On set, we use layered window treatments because when you're building a set, unless it's a big standing set that's gonna be up for the whole season and we get a backdrop out that window, 
nine times out of 10, you're not really seeing anything out, out of the window except empty stage space. So I really work hard to give the director of photography as many elements and layers as possible. I do suggest the same thing for windows in people's homes that face a neighbor, have an obstructed view that you don't want to see. And then on the flip side, if you've got a beautiful view of the water or some other space where nobody can look in and see you, then usually I go for something really simple to just give you a little bit of coverage. And I'm also a big fan of, in those kinds of spaces, matching the window treatment color to the walls. What? Talk to me. What does this mean? <laughs> Caroline, you know. I don't um, know. <laughs> for instance, you live in an apartment, everything's white, can't really do much to the walls. I would do some kind of Roman shade, again, in white. So it's just not breaking up the four walls like the opposite of that when we do a feature wall you are pulling the eye into the feature wall so you know there are so many different layers and so many different looks of window treatments and again these are all things that can be ordered online you know the bigger home furnishing stores are carrying now departments of window treatments, ready-made blinds, ready-made shades, ready-made drapes. Even like if you like, you know, are in the Home Depot and you got to be there because someone else in your family wants to do some sort of fix-it project that you don't want to be a part of. But hey, you can go wander the curtain aisle. Go wander the curtain aisle. A new and interesting upscale vibe uh, in curtains is many vendors are carrying their version. So of course it's, you know, price point related of silk and satin, beautiful drapes that also include an overlay of a sheer. So it's two different fabrics in one in the drape. And what it does is it really gives you a custom look, something that looks like you had made for your space. That's definitely one of my tools and tricks of the trade that I've used in the last year or two. Lush drapery that's available at so many different price points in so many different colors. And, you know, that's another way that we describe character. I feel like curtains are a good spot to also kind of uh, show your personality a little bit. Yes, curtains, window treatments, definitely can be a way to tell a character backstory as well as enhance the whole entire look of the room. We laugh on set about how much puddle there is. Oh in, my gosh, I in have the so many questions about puddle. Puddle. I do. Um, I have a lot of questions. So personally, I'm not really a fan of the puddle. Um, even for a real upscale look, I don't over puddle. I might puddle a little bit in your home. I like the drapes that, as we say, just kiss the floor. I think that's perfection, right? It's like not too much, just a little bit of, you know, public display of affection there. Curtains, exactly. Not overboard, and not smothery. 
<laughs> and, you know, the other thing that I really encourage people to do with window treatments is to, you know, hang your curtain rods higher above the window if you have space, because of course, the longer the drapery, the higher the ceiling looks. It's a another little trick that completely fools the eye, but it works. So I know a lot of people have question marks about that because they think that when the curtains are open and you can see like wall above the window, they think they're like doing something wrong. So help me. No, out not that. wrong at all. Not wrong at all. I mean, you know, what you want to have is a curtain rod that doesn't break in the middle. So you want to have a solid curtain rod that, you know, has your curtains on rings or, or what they call a tab top. So you don't want to see a curtain rod that looks like hardware. It should look like what we refer to as decorative hardware. Okay. So that means it's going to maybe have like those, oh gosh, I want to say like, like, oh, a nice wooden rod or maybe like, I can't think what is, what is like the right term? I want to say like ribbing or something on the rod. You know what I'm saying though? Right? Yeah, it has like a, a, a routing, <laughs> yes, you know, yes. that's a kind of more traditional look. There are a lot of curtain rods that are brass or polished nickel, or even they look like iron, you know, forged iron. Again, there are so many choices at so many different price points, but being consistent, making the whole living room have either a statement around the windows or a way to just, again, be neutral and have the windows fade away. So kind of blend uh, in with your walls, blend in. Okay. Yep. Okay. And push the view. You know, there's really nothing wrong with trying out drapery. You know, it's an item that is rather inexpensive to do a return on. Okay. So if you want to, you know, order two diff totally different panels, whenever I'm dressing, we, uh, we always have what we call curtain college. Uh, the production designer that I've collaborated with for many years, he always ran our curtain college. What? And it's, yep, it's one of the ways that a set dresser really learns to work in the craft because hanging curtains properly, steaming them properly, having the folds of the top of the curtains consistent, uh, mm -hmm. It's all part of it, it, really an important way to dress a set. And we're very adamant about people who work as set dressers on my team and become really, really proficient at Curtain College. Oh, we, my Lord. We keep them around and we, <laughs> uh, you know, they, 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 they gain a lot of respect. If, you know, you're proficient at making a bed or doing drapery, it's, it's actually a craft. And although we don't separate it out here in New York, in Los Angeles, uh, in the film business, there are drapery studios, oh, wow. you know, on the back lots that work with fabric. It's, it's an incredibly complicated thing to do. You, you would be so surprised how much it can, uh, uh, you know, affect a, a set or your own home. I feel like it's one of those kind of things that you may not realize how complicated it is, but when someone does it wrong, you recognize it right away. Like you're like, oh my you God, something's it wrong. <laughs> right. 
right yeah. like when they do it right you're like oh whatever i didn't even notice them but when they do it wrong you're like oh my god what yeah well when you know things aren't steamed properly mm -hmm. or you know come in a package with lines in them or are you like know. six inches off the ground yeah all well, kinds it, of it, bad it, things it, i mean you know in the world of possibilities you know we can survive all this stuff but uh it does really affect what a set looks like and affects what you're trying to do working with fabric it's important to you know maintain a a, a good look I agree. I, do you have any tips on things like, like, so when I put up my panels, one of the big questions is always, well, how much pleating, right? Like how much gather do I want on those curtains versus, you know, oh, that's too much. So I feel like almost every, I don't, I really don't understand the widths that the panels come in because it you always know, seems like you need four to do one window. <laughs> It, it you know the the length is the most important measurement okay so you want to measure from the top of your curtain rod down to kissing the floor or if you want to add an inch or two for a puddle the average window will be okay with the average width that a curtain comes when you're buying a curtain that's say let's say that's 96 inches long or now thankfully they have longer panels 110 they they're usually balanced with the correct measurement for the width although if you have for instance a bay window or a large window which some living rooms tend to have i always order additional panels okay when you just stretch the panel across and it's just like a flat flat no, you don't want that. I you want you fullness. I you don't want that. But like, talk you, to me. How much fullness? Fullness is a relative thing, <laughs> because when we have curtain panels made, or when we're looking and shopping for curtain panels, um, you you use a guide of a percentage of fullness. Oh my gosh! So, tell me the percentage of fullness. I need to know this. Well, you know, a hundred percent fullness would mean that you don't see a stretched out flat curtain you see a hundred percent fullness so the entire curtain is able to cover with folds in it the entire window if you want a fuller look you could go 150 percent fullness so you're basically adding your third panel or fourth panel in fullness so on fullness how do i as a person at home how do i know how to judge my percentage of fullness how do i know how many panels to get it's really about the width of the window okay let's say i have a 36 inch window yeah for a 36 inch window your average width of each panel is somewhere in the 50s that that's fine it's gonna cover the window when you close it with fullness okay it's really more for when you when you get into heavy drapery in hotel rooms um you know spaces like that 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 the fullness becomes uh an, a, another statement you know by increasing it so it's really lush it makes such a difference when you have beautiful window treatments or i should even say like appropriate because they can be so simple and so streamlined and be so sexy compared to you know, something that can look so just like, uh, I want to say like fussy, 
you know, and like, and the, those to me always, the, the only thing I can think of when I see really fussy curtains is like, you know, those have to be dusty. You know, nobody's cleaning those. That's true. <laughs> like, um, but, you know, you have to think of curtains as a frame for the architecture. It's framing out the room. It's framing out the architecture. It's adding another softer layer. It adds color that can either be similar to your walls or totally contrast with what your paint color is. It's definitely a place where I tend to spend more money uh, on a set. I, I, you know, I definitely think about all my different layers and where I can get away with less expensive items. And I do tend to put money in, in the budget for drapery. Very good to know you guys. So at home, when you're trying to think about different things to kind of balance out that budget, put a little bit more in the curtain column and a little bit less in some, you know, in some of the accessories perhaps. Exactly. So talk to me a little bit about installation and any tips that you have there. I know we talked about it needs to be all the way up at the top. And I know that having a lot of kids or pets around, we also need to consider safety. Safety is key. It's totally vital. Um, If you're hanging any kind of mini blinds or anything that has a string hanging from it, you must be incredibly careful as it's a choking hazard. But that is an industry-wide standard that's now been established. No matter what you're doing with blinds or shades, just make sure that there's no strings hanging that can't be controlled. That's a really good tip, especially like we said, with all these multi-use areas, I feel like people are moving around in corners or in areas that maybe typically the traffic pattern doesn't have us go. But, you know, if we have a desk or if we have, you know, a puzzle area or or a play area for kids or something and your kids are going to be around those curtains, you know, pay extra attention to what's hanging down for sure. Yes. And as far as installation, for those who need their own personal set dresser and are not that handy, um, installing shades or curtains is something that usually a good handyman can do someone from your local hardware store, perhaps, definitely a contractor if you have one, as well as calling some of these services, which are probably opening up right now, that do different odd jobs. So if you have it, have to do it yourself, the two tools, the only two tools I know of that are like important for me is the stud finder and the level. Wow, very impressive. Look at me, Beth. I said stud finder. Oh my God, we've we've resorted to the low end. <laughs> I will tell you that my nickname on set is the human level. Ooh, mine is so, the stud finder. <laughs> okay, we're such now, a match. Yeah, we are. Um, so yes, the human level can see the smallest millimeter of something hanging that's off, and very very often. It is a curtain rod. It is a hard thing to deal with because you've got the curtain rod, the holder, the drapery. I do recommend that you hang the hardware first and don't, you know, mess yourself up with having to deal with hanging a curtain rod that already has curtains on it. Oh my God, it's so heavy and I've messed that up and they go sliding off the edge and it's super sad and embarrassing. 
and frustrating. Right. So, so yeah, don't put your curtains up, put your hardware up first. And the other tip I'll give you is that many, many people's homes are not what we call plumb, meaning that at a different place in your house, the floor might be a little higher or the ceiling may be a little lower, you know, non perfected construction, mm. uh, you know, human error, as well as the age of people's homes. So you might have to make adjustments. We often, after I come and see the work and put my human level touch on it, we often make adjustments because, you know, you make an assumption that every window is at the same height, but you really should measure everything individually. So super good point. So so beyond our stud finder and our level, we also need to step back and just look at it with our actual eye because yes. the, um, maybe the molding isn't exactly even or maybe there's something a little bit off about this window installation that, you know, it might, if you just rely on the ruler, you, you may end up with a, with a bad, <laughs> bad situation on your hands. Bad hanging. Yeah. Yeah. Bad hanging. Um, yeah. Do yourself a favor and think human level. And again, I'm happy to look at anybody's window treatment dilemma photos. So DM me your pictures and we can talk about what might work the best. That would be fantastic. I think that there, there are so many different choices that it would be great just to have Beth help you narrow them down, right? Yeah, and there is an interesting kind of complete vocabulary that comes along with window treatments. You know, are you hanging things with an inside measurement, meaning within the frame of the window, or are the blinds gonna be hung outside with an outside measurement? So it does take a little bit of knowledge, but you can also do a little bit of research. Well, and and you got Beth, which is like better and than you got me. anything. You could just By your be, side. Yeah, you can yep. just be showing your pictures direct to her, and that would be fantastic. And I'll teach you some more curtain college vocabulary. Oh, my God. I want to go to Drapery 101. I'm signing up for your <laughs> online Zoom class immediately. <laughs> I love it. Okay, so let's get into our flooring because I know that this is an area that people can be kind of funny on. I mean, sometimes I feel like people ignore it completely and sometimes I think they overdo it. So when we first are starting off, I know that some people right now might be thinking, hey, I'm at home. This is an amazing time for me to go ahead and refinish my floors. That I would advise against. Don't do it, people. Unless you're in a situation where you have another place to hang out and be while you're doing that refinishing or having it done because refinishing floors or installing new carpeting it's a really big job during covid and it might not be the thing that you want to do sort of to not open up a can of worms that then has a ripple effect so when i'm thinking about flooring and what people are trying to do to refresh their homes I would try different area rugs. Even if you buy something that you're putting over wall-to-wall -wall carpet right now and you're going to change that later, that's all good. You know, uh, we're all about temporary effective solutions. Always, people. So let's get into some of these temporary effective solutions, Beth. First one I got to say is got to be some sort of rug, right? Just some sort of area rug. 
Yes. I mean, most people who live in apartments are required to cover a certain percentage of their floor. What? Wait, what? Uh, what is this? I've never heard that. Yeah. That's a thing? For, it is a really big thing. It's in people's leases and condo board agreements because rugs absorb sound. And that's the requirement. So Man. you are... The things yeah. I learned with you, Beth. I had no idea anyone's <laughs> dictating how much of my floor I'm covering. I did not know. It's true. Wow. It's true. Other people get to dictate that. Um, so, you know, either wall to wall or rugs. But, you know, your your living room should have a rug. Not only does it warm up the space and it's required in certain situations, but just like we talked about window treatments, it's another whole way to establish the look of your room. I don't know if people think often that you can find a fantastic wall-to-wall carpet and have it bound and made into a specific size. So if you're looking for, let's say, a 10 by 14 floor covering, purchasing a 10 by 14 rug, really high-end, really expensive, usually just the, the goods itself make it expensive and they're hard to find. But very, very often we set the whole tone for a set after we've chosen the wallpaper or the paint color. And then in order to deal with really big spaces, really big size sets, we do oversized large pieces of bound carpet. And I always bind the carpet in the exact same color. There are many, many, many binding choices, which is just the thread that's bound around a piece of carpet. Okay. Even in my own apartment, I have an entry that has a runner that's bound and it's a deep wine color, the carpet, a paisley. And I just bound it in the exact same color. And it looks like a real rug instead of a bound carpet. So if you aren't finding things that you like, you can think outside the box here and and create something that is much more personal to you. You know, my floor covering vendor and the person that we work with often for many, many years that has tons and tons of choices of linoleums and carpeting that can be bound and rugs. That's a place where we always start with our palette there, with our character, and it can really change an entire room. And when we're going completely over the top with the character, that's a place where we also love to go out on a limb and make a statement. (laughs) That that is perfect. And it's, it's so important to think about who is using that room in terms of like, you know, and, and what you were telling us in the previous episode in Living Rooms 1 about what is being accessed off this room. So for us, I have like a, a back door that enters right into my living room from outside. Well, if the kids are coming in from the pool or if they're coming in from, you know, playing outside or whatever, I need to make sure that I have rugs that are going to hold up to that outdoor traffic right there. Yeah, there are so many new great products that are you know, really rated for outdoor use as well that look completely appropriate for interiors. Yeah, it's not that old plasticky nonsense of like yesteryear. No, the world of floor covering has uh, come miles in the last few years. I mean, we use some unbelievable linoleums on set that have the look of 
tile have the look of, you know, real wood. And we can get away with it on set when there's a good one. And there are so many good ones to choose from. And they're so durable now. Yes, exactly. So with like pets and kids and dropping things and all that, there, there's, there's such different uh, materials now that are available. Yeah, easy to maintain. Absolutely. So when we, I, a lot of our carpeting, um, especially down here, I'm in the South, a lot of us have wall-to-wall carpeting um, as opposed to y'all's beautiful hardwoods up there. Can I still use an area rug over the top of my wall-to-wall carpeting? You can. You want to make sure that if you're close to a door, that that height that you're building up by putting an area rug over carpet is okay and your door opens and closes. The other kind of newer scenario with wall-to-wall carpet, especially in bedrooms that do start off with beautiful looking floors, is that, again, we take one of these pieces of carpet and, you know, we can get large widths because when these pieces of carpet are put together by a professional, you don't see the seam, especially when they're patterned. So people have stopped wanting to carpet exactly wall to wall. So you leave just a piece of the floor showing around the whole room because even these carpets that are bound can actually be cut around the angles of your room. Nice. So the floor covering company that you use comes and takes a measurement and they actually cut and put together what would have been exactly wall to wall, but now you're using a piece that's been custom made, custom made around a fireplace mantle, for instance. It just falls into place and you still see the beauty of the wood around it and it's bound carpet works fantastically nice and again custom look because it is a custom piece but you know but inexpensive uh, right like because people have the inexpensive they kind of have that i want to say people have like a glitch when it comes to the word custom they think that that means super expensive but it really doesn't it doesn't and you know you have to look at your per yard price same thing with fabrics how much per yard if I'm gonna do two seat cushions and I only need two yards, I might up the ante on that price. Just like we talked about wallpaper in the bookcase. You know, if you're doing a small space, you only need a roll or two, you could live a little large and get something. Splurge a yeah. little. It, it, is, it <laughs> is really a place to splurge and to make a statement. I mean, years ago I put a Ralph Lauren Paisley wallpaper in a relatively inexpensive break front. And it became one of an, uh, really an iconic piece. And it was expensive wallpaper, but we only needed a roll. So that's perfect. That's just like your little, like, you know, diamond my earring. My little ode to <laughs> splurge, my ode to splurge. I love that. So so bringing up money and the idea of, of quality and cost, how do you kind of deal with if you, especially if you are um, renting and there's maybe some really cheap carpeting that's already installed for you, how do you kind of deal with it if if the previous tenants have, have worn it down or you have sort of this, this, this normal wear and tear that it's just not holding up? In these times, there are companies that are doing deep cleaning. I strongly suggest them. One of the most important things to do in apartment living, in my mind, is to take your shoes off at the door. 
that's how we live in my apartment and we have a place for the shoes to be. You can rent your own carpet cleaning machines from hardware stores, even from some grocery stores, or you can do spot cleaning. There are really good products out there. Then of course, working with some mats or smaller carpets, you can lay them on top of the wall to wall that you have, which then just becomes kind of a neutral. When you pick something to lay on top of the carpet that is in the same palette, the wall-to-wall carpet fades away. Nice. So so always you could just lay an area rug over the top of especially your more traffic areas. As long as you've got clearance on the doors, you're good to go. Definitely, you guys. So totally look into that. Okay, Beth. So through this part two here, we've now covered some walls and some window treatments and some flooring. I have a question from home that has much more to do with your onset work. And one of our listeners wanted to know, is there any piece of furniture that was actually born from a script, something that you got where you had to create something to satisfy what the script was explaining about this scene? As a matter of fact, there was most specifically when we were shooting an episode of The Good Wife, The script came out that had one of our main characters, Kalinda, actually sitting at the door of her apartment, waiting for someone to arrive. And she was prepared with a gun in her hands. And I read this script like I would read any script and break it down. When I realized how they wanted to shoot this particular scene, which was to not see her in the chair, we came up with a piece that was added to our Mitchell Gold and Bob Williams collaboration, the first home decor license in TV history that we created. And it was a wing chair, but it was a fierce, modern, hip, white leather wing chair. Mm, White leather sounds so hot. It was so great and so unexpected. And that was almost more like a specific prop that was needed, but we were able to do it and we added it to our home decor line and it spoke volumes. It was extremely popular because not only were there lovers of the show and fans of the furniture, but it was a versatile piece that worked in all different kinds of environments. I feel like when you have like a slick, awesome piece of furniture, it can shine in any room. Like it doesn't matter the exact style. There's something about it that just like it works. It's true. One of our games that we kind of play in my department throughout the years is how many times we've used the same piece, furniture, lighting, even smaller items in different settings. And that really turned into my own home decor line that I had of designing pieces that were what I called my go-tos. They could literally be in a traditional environment. They could be in a contemporary environment. They could be in an eclectic environment. We have that constantly when things come up and we say, yeah, we use that for this character, but now we're gonna turn it around and switch it up and use it for this character. I think that it's 
fascinating how many things that you can learn about decorating, just absorbing all of the sets that you've done and getting a chance to, to kind of understand how they work, not only within an episode or a movie or something, but also just in someone's home, like how amazing individual pieces can really make a room look. It's true. When you're really drawn to that piece, it tends to inform everything. Often lately, what I've been posting on Instagram, people will comment on a certain piece. And I, I can tell you, nine times out of 10, I'm answering them and saying, that's the first piece I picked for this room. I guess it really comes back around because it informs your decision of how you want your space to look and feel. And when you're that drawn to something, it's there for a reason. You know, you want to you want to look at it. You want to live with it. And it feels like it's one of those things that, you know, you're never going to grow tired of because it's you know, it's one of those things that that keeps your your curiosity peaked and you just I don't know, you love it. I have pieces like that that when I look at, it, I just like smile. and I'm like, I love you. <laughs> you're awesome. I, I, do, I do, too. <laughs> and, you know, it, it really could be a piece with sentimental value or it's just something that you're so drawn to for whatever reason that you're not ready to give it up. It doesn't matter what environment you're in. That's what I'm saying is like now while you're home and you're focusing on your space, look around and if there's something that you've had hidden in your bedroom, but you'd rather look at it more now that you're in your living room all the time, switch it up. And again, a way for you guys to all keep the things that you love around you, but just have an opportunity to see it in a different light. You know, just having it in a different room with different curtains and lighting and things all around it will give it a whole new life anyway. Okay, Beth, let's get into our takeaways from our two living room episodes, because there was a lot, you guys, that I feel like I learned in this, and it's kind of a big deal. So let's get into the very beginning here about going back to this idea that it's a multi-use space. So talk to me a little bit about what we need to remember. I think most importantly, we need to remember that we're in a temporary change-up. So don't get so tied or invested into the fact that you're using your living room right now for schoolwork and for your office. Think of it just in small spurts and try to use the tips that I'm giving you to, you know, make it feel more attainable, more helpful, I hope. And I think people might feel that things are all discombobulated because they are outside everybody's home. But while you're in your home, I really encourage you to make things as streamlined, as serene as possible. Do things that will pull it all together. You know, maybe you've got a workspace now and your dining table. You've got a puzzle table, as we've talked about. You've got your kids studying get two or three matching tablecloths and give your eye a rest from the clutter and give your mind and yourself a place to breathe and just streamline it down. Think of it as temporary. I have a feeling that after this time when people have been in their homes for so long, the next version kind of of how we live is going to be with less clutter and <laughs> I, I, I opened my linen cabinet the other day and I realized 
I cleaned this out four months ago. <laughs> and it is all organized. And it was so crazy. But I, I think everybody might have been through their closets by now and been through their drawers. And if you haven't, and there's still time. There's still time. Mm -hmm. But, you know, keep it going. Acquire what you might want to acquire to help your living space and certainly your workspace at home. I so know that feeling that you're talking about when you open that linen cabinet and it is organized and you're like, that is some damn fine organization. Like some really good <laughs> folding. Like, Shut up about this fitted sheet right now. Like I totally, I feel that way. Like it is, it is embarrassing how satisfying it can be to see it all organized, but I love it. Yeah. I'm about to do my bath. Shut up. Don't even start with me. Now you're going to, Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm Face so time. into filling the entire garbage bag, oh. especially with old outdated expired stuff. Right. But I'm, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm tackling that next. Oh, I'm very jealous of you. And like, you know, my, my whole thing is like, I love it when you like clean out a whole thing and it's beautiful and you go to do it the next time. And you're like, how could there possibly be something here from 1985? Like I've cleaned this out exactly. already. Like, <laughs> we're exactly. teasing. My dad, we cleaned out his closet for him. And I found a receipt and they've done a reno, Beth. They've done a reno. And I found a receipt on the floor from Mervyn's, which was a store that closed like in the 90s. And I was like, that's Dad, great. how? <laughs> like, that's like a magic trick. Like, oh, my God, it's crazy town. But it's what everybody's going through. It you is. Know? This time has united a lot of people in their experience of this. And I'm really happy that we're doing this podcast now and that we can talk about this with everyone and you know the response that we're getting to just making simple little changes and movements and how to live in our environments right now has been amazing and i think that one of the things that people are sort of complaining about right now is the idea that well, I don't have any way to sort of get an inspiration. I'm, I'm not out at the museums. I'm not able to go walk around at the store. Beth, where can we get some inspiration right now? Well, there's certainly inspiration from my regular world that goes on forever. There are TV shows, there are movies, there are museums and galleries running online virtual tours. I think once everyone gets past having to do all of this on a computer and they just make that seeing a painting maybe on their full screen and streamlining their computer as well, you can just enjoy the view of what's in front of you. Maybe take some color inspiration, some style inspiration. What I do every day because I see so much, I look for so many things is I just take screenshots and keep a folder. I have my design inspiration journal that I list things and companies and websites. And none of this may be what you can focus on or you can afford to do in terms of changing your environment now, but maybe at some point you can, and you're gonna wanna go back through these things. Yeah, you're going to want to have touched into your research folder there and be able to pull out all those things that made you so happy. So don't not do it. You're going to be sad. <laughs> um, okay, so Beth, talk to me for one second because we didn't talk at all about budget. And I know that that's something that's super important for people. So talk to me about, is it important that I make a budget before I start a room 
I think if you're going to take on an entire room, like a living room, yes, of course you need a budget. And what I know to be true from my years of experience and from what is available out there in the world, there are so many ways to get the look that you're after at different price points. And it's really important when you're purchasing many items to have that in your mind, pick what you want to be your big spenders, maybe your window treatments, your sofa, pick other categories where you can go a little less money on. I can tell you, I've never been over budget on a job in my entire career wow. because I'm a practical set decorator and I feel that all these elements are extremely important. Pretty much anybody can pick a sofa, but the way that it's got to work, not only be able to get into your house right. without the sofa doctor, <laughs> but you know, it's got to work in your budget. You can change so much with, with just a small amount of money or just moving things around from one room to another. I feel like I've heard you say so many times, if someone can find something online that you are, you have this magical gift, Beth, where you're able to say, yeah, that item might've been $5,000, but check it out. Here's like a very similar item that has all the little uh, characteristics that you might not have even realized you loved about this one at a much lower price. So I think that, Beth, that's like a amazing gift. <laughs> well, that's what being a set decorator is all about is, is sourcing and working within a budget, you know, it's not just shopping for beautiful things, but it's how to tie it all together. And yes, I'm happy to look at photos of what anybody might be looking for that's a bit aspirational and kind of turn it into reality if we can find it at another price point. I am one of those girls where everything I find is aspirational <laughs> and I'm like, but this is gorgeous. And my problem, and I think a lot of people's problems is that I say, well, I can't afford to have that. So, oh, well, and I just kind of like leave it in my inspiration folder, but I don't actually act on it. And so the idea that you're offering to actually say, yeah, hey, show it to me and I will show you what you can do at a way lower price point is like, wait a minute, I actually can achieve the look. I can do it. That, oh, that's very empowering. I'm here for you. I love Start that. sending me your pictures. <laughs> you know, during this time, I'm chomping at the bit to challenge my brain <laughs> in the same way that I do when I go to work every day. So let me be the set decorator by your side. And I think now's the time to get everybody's house in order. Oh my gosh, you said a mouthful there. Get your house in order, peeps. We can do it. <laughs> we can all do it. Definitely with Beth with us. Thank you so much today, Beth, talking about this two-parter living room episodes. I love this. I think that there's a ton of questions people should have out there. There are all their personal little picadillos around their own specific rooms that I am so excited to have a future podcast of all just answering questions for you guys because there are so many good ones out there. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to Decorating the Set at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Five stars, people. Give us a five star so Apple will help promote the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks, Beth. Thank you. 
Decorating the Set from Hollywood to Your Home is a Pod Clubhouse original production. Recorded, edited, and produced at Pod Clubhouse Studios. For more information, please visit us online at podclubhouse.com. Pod Clubhouse.